All right, friends, a formal welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Today is, hold on, Friday, June 11th. I knew that. <laughs> well, my phone knew that. Friday, June 11th, 2021. Because it's Friday, we're going to be studying the last two readings of our Torah portion, which is Korach. And as you know by now, this Torah portion is incredibly action-packed, a lot of negative things happening, including Korach's revolt against Moses and his downfall and the downfall of the 250 people that were with him. And then the plague that breaks out and takes, I think, 14,700 people because they were upset about Korach and his men being killed. And then and then Aaron, um, there was a the kind of like the final proof or affirmation of Aaron's leadership was when each tribe gave a staff with their tribal leader's name engraved on it. And it was Aaron's staff that, on behalf of the Levites that, or the the tribe of Levi, that blossomed, it budded, and it sprouted almonds overnight. That miracle demonstrating um, or affirming Aaron's or confirming Aaron's leadership. Okay, so that takes us into this reading. So I'm going to share, and I hope it'll work. So hold on, give me a moment. Okay, let's see. All right, can you guys see my screen with the with the Torah reading? Half and half. No? Yes, yes. You know, it's of course it comes through on the phone thinner because you can't change ah, it. On the phone. Okay, so well, what you if it's English? Yeah, it's English fine. It's fine. It's fine, what Rabbi. If did, hold on. What if I did this? Would it be better? It's fine, yes. But did that rotate or not really? Rotate. Yes, it did rotate, yes. Okay, is that better or easier, harder? It's okay. It's okay. I, I prefer it the other way because then I can see more of the... Of the uh, yeah. Okay, that works. Okay, we'll keep it this way. All right, let's jump in. This is, again, just to show you what's going on. Total reading for Korach, reading number six. Let's jump in. There is so much fun to do okay so um numbers chapter 17 verse 25 the lord said to moses this is right after the big staff um i was gonna about to say staff meeting but like the <laughs> the meeting of the staffs or the the proof of the staffs so the lord said to moses put aaron's staff back in front of the testimony that means in front of in front of the ark as a keepsake and a sign for rebellious ones. Then their complaints against me will end and they will not die. In other words, let this be a sign for all time that Aaron was the chosen one for the, to be the high priest and, by, and, and also by proxy that Moses was chosen and let no one else try to claim, oh, not legit, they're not really appointed by God. Let this be once and for all the end to the complaints and the rebellion and the revolts and the coups and all that stuff, let it be uh, be saved. Let the staff be saved for posterity as a proof. All right, verse 26. Moses did so. He did just as the Lord had commanded him. Let's continue verse 27. The children of Israel spoke to Moses saying, by the way, in case you thought the complaining was done, the complaining was not done. And, and if, if you're thinking like, how is it possible that one after the other after the other, the people are complaining, Okay, but imagine they're, they're, 
they're, they're in the desert, right? They left Egypt, but they've been told no, you know, they're not going to go in for 40 years into the promised land. So, yeah, you can imagine there's a little fatigue and a little uh, weariness, uh, no weariness, I'm sorry, you know, weary from the journey and, you know, no hope. So some negative stuff can set in. So here we go. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses saying, behold, we are dying. We will perish. We are all lost. So at first they were sympathetic to Korah. Then when Korah died, they said, you're killing God's men. And now what's happening? Now what's happening is the people are complaining again. Behold, we're all going to die. We're dying. We will perish. We're all lost. And what's what's this, the complaint specifically? Look at 28. Whoever comes to the, the closest to the Mishkan of the Lord dies, right? Anyone gets too close, that's it. They end up dead. Have we, be, have we been consigned to die? So that was their complaint. That was their complaint. Right. Or that was their complaint, frustration, right? The 250 men, they brought an incense offering. They died. Another one, Abihu, brought their offering. They died. It seems like this, you're playing with fire. You get too close and you die. And I think, you know, there's no answer right here, right now. But it seems like, you know, the question is a valid one. I, just, I don't know if it's a question. It's more of a statement. Yeah, you got to be careful. All right, Numbers chapter 18, verse number one. The Lord said to Aaron, you, your sons, and your father's house shall bear the iniquity associated with the sanctuary. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that means that your God is telling Aaron, the, Kohen, the high priest, that you and, and your sons, the priests, you guys are responsible to make sure that no one gets too close. You know, they're pursuant to what the people just said. All right, so that's your responsibility, Aaron. And you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your kahuna, with your priesthood. Also your brethren, the tribe of Levi, your father's tribe, draw close to you and they shall join you and minister to you. And you and your sons with you before the, the tent of testimony. They shall keep your charge and the charge of the tent and they shall not approach the holy vessels or the altar so that neither they nor you will die. Yeah, it's basically, I, I know in the English, I'm sorry, I'm going back up. I know in, in chapter verse land, it breaks up the complaint of the people with, you know, at the end of chapter 17 and God, God's message to Aaron beginning of chapter 18. But pretty much, I mean, if we toggle Rashi, pretty sure we're going to see this, that this is pretty much a, a response to, um, to, to the complaint, basically saying, yes, don't get too close. And Aaron, make sure they don't get too close. So look at Rashi. God did not say directly to Aaron, but he said this to Moses, say to Aaron and caution him regarding regulations for the benefit of the Israelites, that they should not enter, enter the sanctuary. Yes. In other words, if someone gets too close, it is not healthy. It is not good for the health. Therefore, let there be people in charge, namely the priests and the Levites, to make sure that the, the, the Israelite who's not supposed to get too close doesn't actually get too close. Um, we've talked about this in previous Torah studies classes when we spoke about the the little Levites, 30 days and up. And we said they also have a job. What's their job? They're stationed around the uh, the Mishkan. They're guarding the, the tabernacle. Guarding has two connotations. Guarding it in the sense of something's precious, you guard it. But also making sure that no one gets too close to create a buffer. And so that's what's going on over here. What's going on here is that, um, that, 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 that it's their responsibility. Take a look at this next Rashi. Um, I am, uh, shall bear the iniquity associated with the sanctuary. God says, I impose upon you. The punishment of the outsiders who sin regarding the sacred objects entrusted to you, the tent, the ark, the table, and the sacred vessels. What does that mean? You shall sit and warn any unauthorized person who attempts to touch 
the sacred objects. In other words, you are responsible to make sure that no one that shouldn't is getting too close. Okay. All right. Let me toggle Rashi off, but just, just so you know, even though it's in, again, in chapter and verse, it is separated as a new chapter, chapter 18. It is a direct response to the complaint of the people, right? In verse 27 and 28, the people said, we're all going to die because if we get too close, we're going to die. And God says, good point. So let the priests and the Levites make sure that no one gets too close. That's it. Okay, let's continue inside. This is verse number, I don't know, we'll start with four. We, we may have done that before, but let's just do it again. They shall join you, the Levites shall join the priests, and they shall keep the charge of the tent of meeting for all the service of the tent. And no outsider shall come near you again. No one that shouldn't be there should get too close in those areas that are off limits. They shall keep the charge of the sanctuary and the charge of the altar, so that there will so that there be no more wrath against the children of Israel. I have therefore taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are given to you as a gift and given over to the Lord to perform the service of the tent of meeting. Give me a second. Let's let Matt in. All right. Matt is joining. Matt, welcome. It is great to have you. All right, folks, can you tell me, is my screen shared once again? Did it work? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Thank you. Let's continue. Verse 7. And so we're talking about God uh, giving a job to the priests and Levites to make sure that no one who is a non-priest or Levite should get too close to the sanctuary building. And you and your, by the way, I should just clarify, which I've done before in, in other sessions, there were definitely spaces where everyone could go, but there were also spaces where only those that worked there were able to go. And that's what we're talking about sacred spaces and you and your son shall keep your kahuna the priesthood in all matters concerning the altar and concerning what is within the dividing screen and you shall serve the service is the gift i have given your kahuna and any outsider non-cohen who approaches shall die again not if you go you can go into the what's up? Are you, okay? you can what even is... hold on once i'm hearing noise so you can go to you can go to the temple courtyard. You can even bring an offering on the altar. That's not a problem. We're talking here about the area inside the building where only the Kohanim doing the service, the priests doing the service, were allowed to enter. That's what we're talking about here. That is That should be left and, and kept off, off limits from any outsider, i.e. non-Kohan. Rabbi. Continue. Yes. This, the dividing screen, is that like a... a, a is that like... Um, in shul, like the men and one side, the women. Is that what you're talking about there? Well, no? it's it's well in the Hebrew here. It's parochet or paroches, which is what we oh, use the as a phrase. The curtains, yes. And the ark, when we have you know the ark in a synagogue, so the curtains in front of the ark, that is really more akin to what this is. So okay. mechitza is usually a little bit more. Yes. I don't know, not everywhere, but it's a little bit more um, like a wall type thing or like a saw. But this right. is more of a curtain um, as opposed, and I know the English here is dividing screen, which is not maybe not the best um, translation. It's more of a dividing curtain. Parochus is okay. really a curtain, like a fabric type thing. Um, Thank you. But yeah, th and that was between the holy and the holy of holies. That's what was in front of the, um, well, I mean, there was a, there was a, um, a screen or a curtain 
that you had to pass through to enter the entire temple, the inner temple, temple building altogether. But once you were there, then there was another curtain that led to the Holy of Holies, that sacred space with the Ark of the Testimony. Um, okay, let's continue. The Okay, verse number eight. The Lord told Aaron, Behold, I have given you the charge of my gift. That means of the offerings. I've thus given you all the holy things of the children of Israel for distinction and as an eternal portion for your sons. Basically, God is telling Aaron that when people bring offerings and they're designated for the temple, the priests are going to get, in many cases, not all, but in many cases, some of those offerings to eat. And here they are specified. Verse number nine, these shall be yours from the holiest of holies, from the fire. In other words, from the offerings, this is, these are the types that you should take. All their offerings, their meal offerings, their sin offerings, their guilt offerings, and while they return to me, they shall be holy of holies to you and to your sons. So those are offerings, types of offerings that are also enjoyed by the Kohen, by the priest. You shall eat it, oh, but when the Kohen, when the priest is eating sacrificial meat, Right, basically parts of the sacrifices. Verse 10, you shall eat it in the holiest of places. Any male may eat of it, it shall be holy to you. This shall be yours, what is set aside for their gifts from all the wavings of the children of Israel. I've given them to you and to your sons and to your daughters with you as an eternal portion. Any ritual clean member of your household may eat it. So again, we talked about in verse 10 about males, those are the ones that were bringing the offerings, but what the rest of the offerings were enjoyed by any of the priestly families, the, the, the men, women, and children were all able to enjoy from those offerings. Now, the only, the only member of the family that was not allowed to, to eat from the sacrifices were the married daughters, with the understanding that the daughter of a priest who gets married to a non-priest, all right. Well, then that's a different status. It's a different mishpacha, right? So she's not, she's no longer eating from her father's priestly, you know, when he, when he brings home the leftover, so to speak, from the, from the temple, it's not, it's not going to the married daughter, but otherwise the rest of the family enjoys it and eats it. Let's continue. And the, this is what may be eaten. This is part of what the gift to the priest. Remember, just, just to clarify, the priest did not have a day job. They didn't have a job. They didn't have investments. They didn't have real estate. They didn't have, they, they, they had 20, their job was to serve God and to serve the, on behalf of the people. That was it. So how did they eat? Where'd they get food from? So this is, this is it. This is where they got it from. So the choice of the oil and the choice of the wine and the grain, the first of which they give to the Lord, to you, I have given them. This is all God speaking to Aaron. Basically when there's a mitzvah for the Jew to give, you know, the first of your oil and your wine and your grain, etc., and you give it to God, well, where does that actually go? It goes to the priest, and that's considered to be giving it to God. The first, verse 13, the Bikurim, the first fruit of all the crows in the land, which we've spoken about before, that mitzvah of giving the first fruit, first produce, yes, which they shall bring to the Lord, yes, that shall be yours. So you give it to, the, you give it to God, but what does God do with it? Right? What does he give it to God? Am I burning it on the altar, taking all this good food and burning it? No, you give it to the priest. And God says right here in chapter, what was it, 28, I guess, of, of the book of Numbers, God is saying, I consider that as my gift. You give it to me by giving it to the coin. Let's continue. 
Um, we just did verse 13, 14. Any devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. In other words, any designated gift that was given to God goes ultimately to the priest. Again, there were things that were burnt completely altered that didn't go to the Kohanim, but otherwise it did go to the priest. 15. Every first issue of the womb of any creature. That was the firstborn of the animals, which they present to the Lord, whether man or beast, shall be yours. Oh, man also. Firstborn children, go to the Kohen. No, but we redeem it. However, here we go. You shall redeem the firstborn of man and the firstborn of unclean animals. You shall redeem also. So I added the word also. Basically, the firstborn animals also go to God, i.e. the Kohen. Um, but here's how it works. So you can give your firstborn cow, sheep, whatever, no problem. But what do you do with a donkey? You're going to give it to the Kohen? What's the, what's the Kohen going to do with a donkey? He can't eat it. He needs food. What are you going to do with the donkey? So redeem it. Switch it out for a kosher animal, right? Either sell it, take the money, buy a kosher animal with that money, and then give the kosher animal to the Kohen. What do you do about a firstborn child? You don't sell the child, no. You just give... The, you give a token, you know, uh, um, you give a token, uh, redemption money, which we can sit, which to, which we we know as five coins, five silver coins. You give it to the coin, and then as a redemption, pigeon, pigeon haben, pigeon, you know, as a redemption for your firstborn, and then you keep your cake. That's the way it works. Here we go, verse sixteen. When do you do the redemption? How old? Its redemption shall be performed. From the age of a month, according to the valuation, five shekels of silver. Ah, oh, there you go. Five silver coins, according to the holy shekel, which is 20 geras. Give me a second. Let me let Mark in. And we will welcome Mark to the party. That is GCP. All right. Hey, Mark. Good to have you here. Okay. So what we have here is we're talking about Pidyan Aben, redemption of the first born. By the way, by the way, the redemption of the firstborn does not apply the child. No, it's. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Levites. What other day? Does not apply to. Okay. It does not. The, the opinion I've been does not apply to. Children of Levites or Kohanim, because they're already from the tribe of Levi. It's only for non-tribe of Levi firstborn sons. Um, because, of course, you know, death of the firstborn and redemption. We've talked about that many times. It's done at the age of 30 days. Five shekels of silver you give to the Kohen, and that's it. Verse 17. However, a firstborn ox or a firstborn sheep or a firstborn goat shall not be redeemed, for they are holy. In other words, don't switch it out, but give those, right? Their blood shall be sprinkled on the altar and their fat shall be burned as a fire offering, as a pleasing fragrance to the Lord. Those are given as gifts. And then the Kohen enjoys part of it. Here we go. Their flesh, verse 18, their flesh shall be yours like the breast of the waving and the right thigh. It shall be yours. All the gifts, verse 19, all the gifts of the holy offerings, which are set aside by the children of Israel for the Lord, I've given to you. And to your sons and daughters with you as an eternal portion. It is like an eternal covenant of salt before the Lord for you and your descendants with you. So salt is mentioned. Salt, you know, God made a covenant with the salt when he divided the waters on day two of creation between upper and lower waters. God sets the lower waters 
yes, you're being um, uh, separated. You're not being upper waters and your lower waters, but your salt will be on my altar forever. And we put it on our Shabbat tables whenever or, or any table. We have a meal with bread. We have salt there. We dip the, the bread in the salt as a part of the God's eternal covenant with the salt. The point is point here is as well, just like salt is eternal and the, and the covenant with salt is eternal, so to my covenant with the priests, with the Kohanim, is also eternal. God says, I am eternally giving you these privileges for your responsibility. You have a big responsibility, but you get these privileges as part of the package. And that is the, all of the gifts, the matnot, matnot kuhuna, the gifts of the priesthood that are being um, enumerated here. Verse 20, the Lord said to Aaron, you shall not, in oh, hold on, before, all right, one second, before we get to verse 20. So this kind of concludes the topic of the gift of the gifts to the priests. But I, I need to mention this. It's it's very powerful and telling that in the Torah portion, in which the priesthood, Aaron's priesthood, is challenged, we have an affirmation of Aaron's priesthood or high priesthood and a doubling, I'm going to say doubling down, I don't mean that in a negative sense, but a reiteration as well of all of the gifts that go to the Kohen, that go to the priest. So God says, you want to challenge the, the priesthood? Number one, don't. Number two, let me remind you what goes to the priest. Verse 20, the Lord said to Aaron, to Aaron, you shall not inherit the land. And you shall have no portion among them. As I mentioned before, the priests did not have real estate. They didn't have land. They didn't have a, a, an income otherwise. I am your inheritance, the portion among the children of Israel. God says, you're mine, I'm yours, and I'll make sure you're taken care of. All right, that's reading six. Let's move to reading number seven. All right, here we go. Just scrolling through. Okay, verse uh, verse 21, chapter 18. And to the descendants of Levi. Aha, so we spoke about the Kohanim, the priestly gifts that the people had to give. What about the Levim? What about the Levites? Right, Mark is with us. So Mark, this is for you. Um, and to the descendants of Levi, I've given all tithes of Israel as an inheritance. So Meiser, so Truma, Bikurim, all of these other gifts go to the coin. But the Meister, the tithe, the 10% of the farms and the produce, that goes to the Levites. Again, the Levites were in the same boat. They also didn't have their own land. They also didn't have their own jobs. They also worked on behalf of God and the people, So, or for God and, and on behalf of the people. So they also needed support from, from the community. So the tithes are given to the Levites in exchange. Rabbi? Rabbi? Yeah. Is miser the same as sadaka? Um, no, I mean today we 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 talk about miser because the original miser, the original tithe was agricultural and it went to the levy. But when there's no temple and there's no agricultural tithe, so we kind of got supplanted by a, char a charitable tithe, not necessarily going to the coin since the coin, sorry, not necessarily going to the levy because the levy no longer works. In the temple, which no longer, which is not around. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. when there was a temple and when the Levites were working in the temple. So then there was a situation where um, they needed support and they were supported by the food with the produce. And that's it. It was like a perfect, uh, a perfect plan. No temple. So the Levites don't do the service, but it's still good to give the tithe. And we do that by giving tzedakah to worthy organizations and good causes and people that need it. Thank you. So that's a long answer, but the short answer is yes. We that's today we do this by giving tzedakah. Okay. I fully attack. Yeah. All right. So here we go. And to the descendants of Levi, I've given all time. Oh, we just did this. Oh, we'll do it again. 
the sons of Levi have given all tithes of Israel as an inheritance in exchange for their service, which they perform, the service of the tent of meeting. Verse 22, the children of Israel shall therefore no longer approach the tent of meeting, meeting lest they bear sin and die. That's kind of circling back to what we said before. And which also means, look, you don't need to be there. The, the priests are there. The Levites are there. Everyone's doing their job. There's no reason for a non-priest or Levite to hang, hang out in the sacred spaces. They got it. That's their job. Right. They're getting they're getting their own type of, you know, compensation, sort of, you know, and not really compensation, but their gifts for that. Don't mess. Don't get involved. That's it. The Levite shall perform the service of the tent of meeting, verse 23, and they will bear their iniquity. In other words, if somebody approaches, it's their fault. It is an, it's the Levite's fault. It is an eternal statute for your generations. But among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. Once again, the Levites also do not have an inheritance, which means real estate. They have places to live, but they don't own the land. Um, for the tithes of the children of Israel, which they set aside for the Lord as a gift, I've given to the Levites as an inheritance. How do they make any how, how do they eat? How do they live? From the tithes. Thus, I have said to them that they shall have no inheritance among the children of Israel. By the way, what we see here is an embedded system where those that are in a, in a position of, I guess you would say power on some level, although it's not meant to be power like in an ugly way, but those in that position are are in, in Torah are not given wealth or not given really um, that type of financial what's that is the correct oh, okay so it's it, you know the, the main um, one of the problems with power is that it gets to people's head and people become you know lucrative and wealthy it just it, it becomes corrupt. And so here we have a system where, I mean, ideally, it would preempt the corruption. How are the Levites and Kohanim, how are they going to actually become like what they don't, they can't own land, no real estate, no investments. You're eating from kind of like, you know, farm to mouth, so to speak, from someone else's farm to your mouth. That's it. You had a day job, you're bounced out. That's not, that's not your responsibility. So. This almost ensured, I guess, ensured, I mean, obviously corruption is possible and people are people. You can figure out a way how to break the rules, I guess. But at least the rules were that it's all about the job. It's all about the, the spirituality. It's all about the people. It's all about God. And how do you eat? People will take care of you. But it also creates a dependency on on, on that. And anyway, I hope that makes sense. There's like a symbiotic relationship here that's that's pretty healthy. Um it's when people, it's when leaders feel like they don't need the people, right? That they begin fleecing the public and, and whatever. Okay, let's continue. Verse 25. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the Levites and tell them. A lot of, lot of um, instructions to the Levites and the priests. When you take the tithe from the children of Israel, which I have given you from them as, as your inheritance, you shall set aside from it a gift for the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. Look at this. When the Levites get the 10% of the produce from the farm, they're supposed to take from their gift that they received a 10% of that and give it to the Kohen. You with me on what I'm saying? The recipients of the tithe are supposed to give, in turn, their own tithe. You shall give, and, and it's the translation is not great, but it's um, in the Hebrew, it's trumas Hashem. You shall give aside from it a gift for the Lord. The gift here is truma, which again goes to the coin. 27, your gift shall be considered for you as grain from the threshing floor and as produce of the vat. In other words, when the Levite gives a gift, 
although they received it from someone else, it's like it's like they produced it and they're giving of their own. Because the Levi might think, I'm giving a gift. It's not really mine. I, I didn't give anything. I'm just like passing through. No, it, it belongs to the Levite. Once the Levite receives it, it belongs to them. And then when they give it, it's a real gift. So it's meaningful, significant. So shall you so shall you too set aside a gift for the Lord from all the ties you take. You Levites should set aside a gift from all the ties you take from the children of Israel, and you should give thereof of the thereof the Lord's gift to Aaron the priest. Right? So so the Levite is getting it from the people, the 10%, takes a 10% of that 10%, gives it to God, but as we know from today's reading, giving it to God means giving it to the Kohen. From all your gifts, says God, from all your gifts, you Levites, you shall set aside every gift of the Lord from its choices portion, that part of it which is to be consecrated. Say to them, when you separate its choices part, it shall be considered for the Levites as produce from the threshing floor and as produce from the vat. It's considered theirs and it's a real gift, as I mentioned before. You and your household may eat it anywhere for it is your wage for you in exchange for your service in the tenth of meeting. So the 90% of the 10% that the Levites got, they can eat and they can enjoy. It's considered to be their wage. It's their compensation, so to speak, for their selfless dedication to the temple. After you is separate, that, yeah. Is that more than one time a day or just for one meal? I don't know. It's a good question. Logistically, I'm not sure how much food actually came in. I guess it was enough to, to, to sustain all the Levites. There's a lot of Levites and their families, yeah. and they had mm -hmm. to eat a few times a day. So I would imagine that a lot of stuff, you know, once you got the farms rolling in Israel, there was probably a lot of stuff being, pro being uh, produced on a, on, a, on a daily basis. And, you know, when, when the season, when stuff wasn't being produced, I guess you would have stored up. You know, um, like like everybody did. If you're a farmer and, you, you know, stuff doesn't grow during the winter. All right. So that means that you sort up grains and you have granaries and you have. So I'm sure the Levites also sort up stuff, you know, from when they got it to use for later when stuff wasn't actually coming up from the ground. Either way, I, I you know, the logistics, I don't actually know precisely. Number one, I, if I knew more about farming and agriculture, I, I probably could give a better guess. But either way, the bottom line is that uh, I would imagine they ate and they ate normally. They ate well. They it wasn't like, uh, you know, super, um, you know, super tight. I would imagine they ate. They ate. Um, but what's interesting here is that even the Levites, who are the recipients, also need to be givers. They also need to be um, they need to give in turn. All right. Let's continue. Um, verse 32. After you separate the choices apart from it. In other words, you, the Levi, you can enjoy the 90% of your gift after you separate the 10% from it and give it to the Kohen. You shall not bear any sin on account of it, but you shall not profane the sacred offerings of the, of the children of Israel so that you shall not die. And that is the end of the Torah portion, the end of Korah. So we end with a discussion. You know, Korah tried to challenge the priesthood of Aaron and the, and the Levitehood of Moses. And we have an affirmation and confirmation of that in our text, which is really, uh, which I think is really powerful. It's a really powerful um, statement. All right, I am going to stop sharing so I can see you all. You guys see me? More or less? Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. All right, fantastic. So here's the deal. I want to share with you one insight and then we're going to close it out because Shabbat is approaching. So here's the insight. And this is something that the Rebbe spoke about many times. A human being by nature needs to be, it, it, needs to give. Why? Because humans are created in the image of God. And the first thing we know about God is that God gave life. 
first thing we know about God, God's first definition is a giver. Right? God's the creator, but that means giving life. God had his own presence. He shared space with us. God gave to us. When I say to us, the universe, including us human beings and us individual, individually. So God is a giver. And we're creating the divine image. The Rebbe said many times, therefore, we need, we in our essential spiritual DNA, we need to give. We feel good. We feel better when we give than when we don't give. Even if we think that we don't want to give, when we give, we feel better. Hence, the Torah says, we don't want to create anyone who is in a stuck position of just receiving and not giving. So even the Levite, who's a receiver, also needs to be a giver. The same thing is true with the laws of tzedakah. The halacha says, Jewish law says, that when you give someone, let's say an individual, when you give an individual tzedakah, a person that needs money, when you give them the money, give them an extra tenth so that they in turn can give tzedakah a tenth to someone else. And you think, well, wait a second, hold on, hold on. I should give more tzedakah so that they can give tzedakah? Who cares if they get tzedakah? Let me just give them what they need. No, what they need is also to be able to give. Are you with me on that? Yes. It's not, a, it's not a cherry on the top. It's what they need. That's how the Rebbe explains this halacha. The Rebbe says, why does the halacha say that you have to give someone tzedakah enough so that they can in turn give to someone else? Because if not, you're not really giving what they need. Because everyone needs to also give and to help. Because we don't feel meaningful unless we're helping others. We feel, you know, we get, we get stuck in ourselves. We can be depressed, we can get stuck in ourselves, and, and it's it's not a good place to be when we're stuck in ourselves. But when we give to someone else, when we see someone else's face light up for what we've done or said or given, that gives us the greatest sense of pleasure. And so as we go into Shabbos, the Shabbos of Gimel Tammuz, the Shabbos before, you know, era of Gimel Tammuz, the Rebbe's yard site, the Rebbe's 27th yard site. 27 is the, the numerology of Zach, Zach, which is pure, it's, it's uh, pure. So as we enter the pure, the Zach yard side of the Rebbe, let's remember this powerful teaching of the Rebbe. Let's all be givers. There's one thing the Rebbe taught us. It's to share with others. Whatever we have, knowledge, time, right, um, empathy, money, whatever it is, physical, spiritual, whatever it is. And this is, of course, predicated on what Torah tells us in this week's parasha, the golden rule of your fellows yourself, as well as the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, which I'll conclude with. Baal Shem Tov taught that a person comes down to the world 70 years, 80 years, whatever the lifespan is. And it could be that the entire reason why a soul came down to earth is to do one favor for one person at one time. And we never know which favor it might be. That is the whole reason why we're here. So let's not miss an opportunity to do something kind, something generous for someone else. In a world in which we are givers, the world becomes a world of generosity. And that's a world, I think, that we all want to live in. All right, I want to wish you all a good Shabbos. Shabbos, Shabbos. of inspiration. May we all indeed share the blessings. Enjoy the blessings and share the blessings. Amen. All right. Good Shabbos. 6.30 Sunday. Yeah, oh, so let's make an announcement. Yeah, so Shabbos is Shabbos, and then Sunday we have 6.30 p.m. We have a beautiful dessert and wine reception. 7 o'clock is the program. Featuring 
Rabbi Moshe Kesselman from California, from Los Angeles. He'll be delivering the keynote address, stories that serve the soul. The evening also features a short film and song, and of course, storytelling and inspiration. You don't want to miss it. A very, very special event in honor of a very special day. All right, that's sorry. Right, yes, Mark. I have a question. You know, it's often said that timing is everything. And this is, I'm thinking about Korach and, and this right here about the tithe. And the situation is, just numerically, the Kohanim uh, got 10% from the people, and then they got 10% of what the, the, the Levites had. Uh, so it was like a tax as well on top of, on everyone and, and on top of the Levites. Um, is it at all possible that it was ever said that part of the reason Korach did what he did was because of that, because of that 10% he had to give? So good question. Um, so let me address it. Two, two points. Number one, uh, just to be clear, the, the Kohanim did not get 10%. The priests did not get 10%. Only the Levites got 10%. The priests got specific things from the farmers, the first fruits, the firstborn animals. They got certain items, but not but 10%. 10%. But it still was 10%, I thought. 10% of what they grew. I thought it was. No. No? The 10% was to the Levites. Again, the farmer okay. had to give two gifts. Something okay. to the Kohen and something to the Levi. So the Levim got 10%. The priest got the Manos Kohunas, a very specific, you know, certain items, certain specific things okay. they got. Okay. But of the 10% to the Levite, it was passed forward. To, uh, sorry. Of the 10% that went to the Levites, 10% of that went to the Kohanim. That's just to clarify. So it may still have been roughly 10% on some level, but just to clarify that, there was not two 10% that were given. It was just one 10% to the Levites and the priests got other, other forms of gifts. But to your question, absolutely. Korach, we had a course on Korach, Secrets of the Bible, I believe, the JLI course. And we quoted the Midrash where Korach comes to Moses. Remember he did this, um, this theater where he said, there was a woman who had an inheritance and then Moses says, we're going to take away and tie this. So she sold it and she bought an animal. And then Moses says, okay, we'll take the animal. And she's left with nothing. Remember that whole, I don't know if you remember the course. The, the short answer is yes. That was part of what, Ko, of what Korach said was driving his, uh, his campaign. But we know that at least on the surface, that was all talk because he wanted to be the one that took. So he wasn't opposed to it. He just wanted to be the one receiving it. Anyway, but that's for... That's that's for another conversation. But anyway, good. Great to see everybody. I want to wish everybody a good Shabbos, an inspiring Shabbos. And we'll see you all hopefully Sunday. Shabbos. Thank you. Good Shabbos. Shabbat Shalom.